0: Welcome, everyone, to Knuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast that explains how your local team stacks up against the rest of the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, once you finish listening to this episode, be sure to check out the rest of the Hoopheads Podcast Network for even more great basketball content. Hey there, hi there, ho there. Welcome to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Buck Show, hosted by me, Devin Zanskis, and presented by Hoopheads, as always. Today I'm coming at you solo, but we have to discuss KD, staying in the East, and what that means for the Bucks, plus some more onto de Kumpo ball, pardon me, onto de Kumbro ball. Very unoriginal, but that's what I've been sticking with this summer. Plus, still need to recap some news on the uh, NBA schedule. It's been a v- fairly eventful week for uh, the NBA here in late August. Uh, I actually recorded a little bit with a friend of mine from SBC, but we had some uh, some technical difficulties. It was a whole thing on Friday. I had a very narrow window to record a shorter episode, but with a guest and. Uh, some other scheduling conflicts later on in the weekend. So I regret that I can't share part of that convo with you, but at least I can recycle some of the content from there. And of course, it's odd that I actually feel a bit behind looking down down at my notes of, of what there was to cover since I last recorded. Without further ado, Kevin Durant, Wasted a bunch of our time basically for the past uh, couple months uh, trying to force his hand out of Brooklyn, even though he had a four-year contract. Do I blame him? Yes and no. (laughs) I mean, he is Kevin Durant, so if if anyone would have gotten away uh, with something like this, I suppose it would have been him. But yeah, it would have been astonishing. I shouldn't say that because it is, it is a uh, Kevin Durant after all. But it would have been ridiculous if a guy could have like feasibly forced his way out, especially when you're Kevin Durant and you're still on the level of, you know, Giannis or LeBron or I'm sure there are several guys that that you'll say it about where if this guy's on my team, who knows what can happen in the postseason, like a Kawhi, maybe Luka and Jokic are making their way there. I should probably say Steph Curry, but you know, if I keep name, naming guys who it's set about, we're getting close to the entire well, yeah, the top ten in the NBA, so some of those we might be we might be right or wrong about. But it's great for the NBA ecosystem in general that at a certain point guys can't just demand their way out and use use their leverage you know saying that they might not resign cuz yeah saying that you're not going to re-sign in what 2026 doesn't uh hold a ton of weight especially knowing how quickly things change in the NBA you know not that not that I'm rooting necessarily for the betterment of you know billionaire owners I think you know it's it's good for us to be uh I don't know consider the thoughts and feelings of these players uh i remember richard jefferson uh being in the news uh kind of when he first came into the media i'm sure it was revolving around a similar topic with guys trying to leave or guys sitting out like of course they're getting paid a ridiculous amount of money uh to do what they do but they do sign away a lot of their autonomy you know I, I wonder if if the if the analogy is accurate at all but you know theoretically i could uh i could quit my job and move wherever i want to and work there but you know these guys can't just like quit their team necessarily and go wherever they want at least on the M- at the NBA level i know similar things exist uh out there but what am i saying yeah good that at a certain point when a guy signs a, f- a four-year deal, he still has to hold up his end of the bargain, and uh, I know we would have we'd be horrified if if Giannis did something you know of similar nature in in an opposite universe. Either way, how this how this hurts the Bucks because obviously it hurts the Bucks. Kevin Durant is still in our conference, and yeah, I think like the Raptors still. The Raptors would have still been quite scary no matter what, what they would have had to, no matter what they would have had to give up for Kevin Durant, and we've had our battles with with the Raptors in the playoffs for sure. Plus, similar to Kawhi in 2019, you know they already have proof of concept and surrounding, you know, mostly one offensive hub with with a, a ton of size and versatility on defense, uh, accompanied by some of the upper echelon coaching in the NBA in Nick Nurse but I don't know having Kevin Durant paired with Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons if he plays up to his potential having a guy in the last year that he actually played he was second in defensive player of the year voting and on top of the wing depth that they added this year it's uh you know it's it's easy to see how how this is still the worst case scenario out of out of uh, any of the plausible Kevin Durant destinations. Uh, My favorite, personally, was always the Pelicans offer because they already have uh, an embarrassment of riches, not only with their picks, but an extraordinarily deep roster as as they proved, making it actually into the top eight through the play-in tournament, even without their number one guy if they would have moved Brandon Ingram and however many picks they had to, you know, and theoretically if, if the Pelicans would have moved Brandon Ingram, maybe they wouldn't have had to had to move their entire treasure trove of, of draft picks. They could have still if they could have still kept at least a pick for every year moving forward plus Brandon Ingram and they have many other enticing guys that, you know, might not even get enough playing time. That would have been my favorite, particularly because Kevin Durant would have been in the Western Conference, and I also tend to root for what just makes sense to me uh, basketball-wise, as long as it doesn't adversely affect the Bucks. News also came out after the fact that the Nets were never really particu- particularly in- interested in-, in a Phoenix Suns offer. Yeah, I guess assuming the big piece back would be DeAndre Ayton, either him as a 1A and or uh, Call Bridges as a 1B in terms of their best player that they're getting in return. Supposedly that wasn't what the Nets were looking for. The Heat were never entirely plausible because of uh, the designated rookie extension factor with Ben Simmons. Uh, I listened to a show with actually the guy I'd, I had attempted to record it with uh, over the weekend, and I know another friend of ours from SBC talked about how if the Kevin Durant saga went on, then, then maybe it w- would, would actually be best to try to explore moving on from Ben Simmons so that their options open up to even higher caliber guys, but I never particularly considered that, even as I was the Brooklyn Nets in uh, during our SBC practicum. However, that was also mainly just due to uh, considering what's practical in a one-week setting. You know, if it was my full-time job to try to reconstruct the Brooklyn Nets, I maybe would have what have dug dug into Ben Simmons' market. But you might also laugh at what you hear back, and you know, and Kyrie Irving's also <laughs> also a factor that you had to consider. But now it's looking less likely that Russ for Kyrie deal uh what happened that always seemed like the craziest thing that people were buying into but a lot of that might have to do with the personalities involved but i'll get into a bit more of the segment that i that i had actually wrote up here it's essentially four big notes i've somewhat gotten into some of it already but What could have led to Kevin Durant leaving? The first note that I had was the Gobert trade, because, of course, that was an insane haul that the Jazz got back for Rudy Gobert, one of the more polarizing players in the league. It still has uh, some people's heads scratching. I'm particularly interested to to see what it looks like, but if I were running the Timberwolves, I'd say the fact that I am so interested to see what it looks like, uh, actually, more so, um, I don't know, I, th- I feel like that actually indicates some level of doubt that that it was the best way to go all-in uh, for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Because when you move that many draft picks, you'll really only have one shot at it. So, you know, my opinion, I... I For example, the Bucks. Even if Drew Holiday was um, even a less, less flashy player than Rudy Gobert, you know, I'd say Rudy Gobert has had sort of uh, higher opinions of him than Drew Holiday has had. No one like no one really ever hates on Drew Holiday or his play like they do Rudy Gobert, but. I remember there being some chatter of respected analysts uh, giving, you know considering Rudy Gobert considering giving Rudy Gobert votes for MVP in in seasons past, and Drew Holidays never quite touched that before. But Drew Holiday also would fit on any roster in the NBA. so. That can't quite be said for for Rudy Gobert. He wouldn't fit particularly well on the Bucks, for example. But yeah, I know I sort of I sort of scoffed at the idea that the Gobert trade would mean that Kevin Durant wouldn't be traded because, of course, due to the Stepien rule, teams actually do have somewhat of a limit on. On what they can send out in a deal. At least picks wise. And. uh, Also if people particularly. I think they've come around a little more. The general consensus has on the Rudy Gobert trade. But. Especially earlier in the summer. When. uh, When more people were down on the move. I remember asking myself. Does a trade really hold that much weight like on the market if so many people think that it was just, just a dumb trade to begin with? Uh Good question, but... I'm prob- that might be underestimating the weight of how much the trade you know, of how much impact a trade makes, especially of that caliber, because... You know, throwing in the Rudy Gobert trade as an as a reason for not moving Kevin Durant for so much—it's uh, just low hanging fruit, and you never know—you never know how much the other guy, uh, you know, the other GM that you're talking to in a deal, actually buys into. You know how good or bad the Rudy Gobert trade was. So, I should also probably say before that that none of these statements. Actually, I'm not prepared to lean in 100%. If this hadn't happened, or if this had happened, then Kevin Durant would be on another team. But I think, to a degree, all of these you could say, if it hadn't happened if it had or if it had or hadn't happened, then it's more likely that Kevin Durant would be gone. That's where I'll sign uh, on the dotted line. Um, so yeah, the rest of these three statements. Uh, I sort of alluded to, uh, next, um, I had wondered uh, if DeAndre Aiden had not had to wait until unrestricted free agency to get his max contract, so then there wouldn't have have been a sign-in trade. Um, Then, would Kevin Durant be on the Suns? Because then the Suns wouldn't actually really have to consider where where DeAndre Ayton wanted to go. They could just say, "Too bad, so sad, DeAndre, you're part of the deal to get Kevin Durant." But since they allowed him to get to under, unrestricted free agency, they would have had to have DeAndre Ayton play ball um, to uh, go to the Nets. So that's why I think uh, people, you know, lost hope in uh, in Kevin Durant going to the Suns after a little bit or or at least I definitely wouldn't have put money on it uh you know going way back to whenever this had happened at least early July I remember thinking about this while at SBC yeah i i do recognize the report that i mentioned before about the nets not being particularly interested in in the sun's offers but I don't know. If you could have done DeAndre and McCall Bridges and whatever else maybe maybe the sum of it all would have could have moved the needle but you know maybe that's also maybe it's also implied that 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 no matter what they put forward it uh it wouldn't have gotten a deal done since they couldn't put in Booker or CP3. Or really just Booker. <laughs> Because uh, I'm sure if the Nets were interested in Chris Paul, that that uh that would have been fine for the Suns. But uh, next, I had sort of a what if, uh, what if, what if Scotty Barnes hadn't won Rookie of the Year, and maybe then Scotty Barnes wouldn't have been considered quite as untouchable uh, by the Toronto Raptors. There were definitely uh, at least two other strong rookie, rookie of the year candidates, and Evan Mobley and Cade Cunningham. Um, See, so if it were me, I maybe would have voted for Evan Mobley to win rookie of the year, but I don't think you, I don't think you could have gone wrong with any of these guys. Um, But yeah, that that sort of speaks for itself. I already spoke about how, how scary scary the Raptors would have been if they had moved in. Uh you know, move forward with this deal. You know, especially considering that that the Raptors didn't didn't have OG Ananobi during most, if not all, their title run because he was hurt. Obviously Scotty Barnes wasn't around then. Uh You know I could I could go on and say they didn't have Gary Trent Jr but at a certain point I can't keep going on because the Raptors have have also lost pieces from their title run but but yeah that's still uh, that'll always be intriguing to, intriguing for me to think about in, in an alternative universe. Um, the Raptors do have that proof of concept. When they won with Kawhi Leonard, Katie could have served as served as their Kawhi. They still had, they now have have an even more experienced Pascal Siakam, Fred VanVleet. You can, you know, you, he's he's at least around the level of Kyle Lowry. Hell, Fred VanVleet is is an All Star now, so. You know he has to be around that level that Kyle Lowry was when they went when they went to the finals. Huh. Of course, not as much front court depth, but yeah, that might be a bit of a reach saying they could completely recreate that 2019 team. I'll admit, but you could get close, <laughs> uh, and they'd be pretty pretty darn good with Kevin Durant. That could be said for many. And finally, the last note I will say on. Um, this hypothetical of um, what would it, what uh, what changes would have helped uh, Kevin Durant leave the East or just leave the Nets really in this in this exercise? Um, I had Zion William playing at all this year and potentially being a part part of the playoff run. Uh, I just think that. If the Pelicans could have, I mean, they they definitely they made it all the way to the top four, which was which was unexpected. And I don't think they would have necessarily upset uh, a top two seed or anything. But if, if uh, Zion Williamson had played uh, even half of the year, maybe they could have got gotten a bit higher of a seed. Yeah. Uh, You know, Zion Williamson, (laughs) uh, it's, uh, pretty easy, easy to say that, that, uh, he projects to be someone who could swing a playoff series. So if the Pelicans had shown a little bit more, more, uh, you know, a little more production for now. Maybe they could have, could have made that push for Kevin Durant, especially, um, when they realize, uh. When they realize all the depth that they could continue to have, even in a Kevin Durant deal, uh, I think there's there's something there. But <laughs> yeah, at the end of the day, the the Bucks have already defeated this team, except they had James Harden, of course. The Nets had terrible injury luck <laughs> when when we beat them uh but if anything the team's even more unpredictable now swapping in Simmons for uh James Harden although Simmons does balance out their lineup a bit more now that they have uh if Simmons plays uh to the level that we know he's capable of then then uh then he could be uh, a tremendous leader on the defensive end and and he could be he could be a a real difference maker uh for the Nets we could be thinking about um the Nets as a whole uh completely different if uh if Ben Simmons turns out to be uh Ben Simmons of old I was just listening to the the Daily Ding on my walk with uh Tucker and you know they naturally listed Ben Simmons as the guy with the most to prove and uh yeah pretty low-hanging fruit (laughs) considering we didn't see him at all last year um but even Ben Simmons at his best uh Giannis, uh, Giannis had a nickname for him that I, uh, even I can't repeat on this show. Try to keep it at least PG PG thirteen, but Gian, Giannis isn't always, uh, you know, someone who who trash talks and. But for him to do it against Ben Simmons and to have such choice words for him, I think kind of shows, uh, you know how how little fear he has in facing, um, facing Ben Simmons. And, uh, the rest of the Brooklyn Nets for that matter. All right. Now, like I said, it seems like forever ago <laughs> since, since I've last touched base, uh, And what make, what makes me what makes it feel like it's been so long is that uh, I still haven't touched on the NBA schedule release. This much this must have popped up right after the last time I recorded. Uh, the Bucks will be playing uh, on Christmas Day again, and they'll be playing the Celtics again at uh, 4 p.m. I feel like that's a pretty solid slot. Not quite prime time, but after all, we're not the champions, and we're on the East Coast. You know. In hindsight, I do feel like like we were slightly ripped off by uh, by not getting a prime time slot there. That seven o'clock slot that'll belong to. Uh, That'll belong to the Warriors since, uh, you know, they're the champs, but, on, but let's be real on, uh, on Christmas day, the earlier games are actually, uh, kind of perfect. Uh, and, uh, yeah, really four o'clock actually particularly stinks. Because that'll be right in the middle of, a, of our Christmas Day festivities, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> really, really, that 130 slot that I feel like we've been getting, getting a lot uh, could have been perfect there. Then, you know, family arrives and, you know, the game's already started and. You know, it's getting into clutch time. You don't get quite as judged for being the guy watching sports on a holiday, but yeah, Christmas is is an NBA holiday, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, and as much as I don't love the NFL taking up uh, taking up the airwaves from uh, from the NBA. I know the Packers play, or at least I saw on the Bucks subreddit that the Packers will be playing on Christmas, but it won't interfere with the Bucks game. So, uh, so perhaps, well, I guess, really, the Packers game could either start at noon, and it would probably, be, and it would probably be before the Bucks game, or it could start at seven, prime time and miss the Bucks game. So, that's convenient for. And I mean, hey, I'll probably watch the Packers game that day too. I just don't typically carve out time in my schedule for it as I'm doing basketball work, and I'm only I'm only a casual NFL fan at the end of the day. But yeah, quickly go over the rest of these Christmas Day games and some of my opinions <laughs> on them. Uh, the Knicks slot, or the 11 a.m. slot rather, Uh, belongs to the Knicks who are hosting the 76ers. Uh, Sixers are definitely a team that I am watching for this upcoming year. Uh, Giannis has typically gotten the better of Embiid, except for a really ugly uh, Christmas uh, day game. I remember from uh, years ago and, uh, Now they certainly have some reinforcements there after some, uh, you know, pretty likely tampering there with, uh, you know, with the rockets that have basically reformed, uh, in, uh, in Philadelphia just a few years later, still waiting for Trevor Ariza to sign with the Sixers, or Eric Gordon. I don't know how the heck Eric Gordon is still on the Rockets, but he'll eventually find his way on the Sixers. And our old 130 slot will be going to the Mavericks, who are playing the Lakers. It's uh, despicable that the Lakers are getting a slot uh, similar to the Knicks. We got... Two of the four teams playing in the first two games didn't even make the play-in last year, but also they're New York and, and L.A. I won't act uh, totally oblivious, and I'll get into that on on uh, my next little, little segment here. Uh, talking about Warriors-Grizzlies, that'll be really fun. It's a good rivalry uh, brewing there. Basically, Grizzlies are a young squad that love to talk junk. And uh, the Warriors, who have absolutely nothing to prove and just love uh, love uh, laughing at teams and shrugging them off. I can respect that. And now, finally, the... Uh, the reigning two-time MVP, unfortunately, I'm not talking about Giannis anymore, but Nikola Jokic uh, will be hosting the Phoenix Suns at the 9.30 slot on Christmas Day. Uh, now we know Christmas Day is an NBA holiday. And I would sort of forgot that there was a lot of backlash when uh Jokic and the Sixer Jokic and the Sixers Jokic Jokic and the Nuggets uh didn't get a Christmas Day game last year uh you know him being the reigning MVP I can understand that I would have been uh heated if we would have missed a Christmas Day game um I don't know for sure, but it feels like we've played for at least like the past five years straight. I don't know if we missed a year at some point or not. This might also be like the third time we're playing the Celtics, and and so in a in that short span too. But I don't know. Once I thought more about about the Nuggets being upset about missing. Uh, last year's Christmas Day game, uh, you know, as much as I want to sympathize with them, they clearly, they definitely, they were guaranteed to not have Jamal Murray uh, on Christmas. I don't think they knew it at the time, but they, uh, after not that long, they lost uh, Michael Porter Jr. So, in the end, I don't think they were necessarily a shoe in for. A Christmas Day game. But now with having all these guys back this year. uh, Yeah, I think they deserve it. And uh, they're also going to be featured prominently in this next section where I have um, what the Christmas Day games would look like in an ideal world. And it's gonna be pretty obvious what I was looking for here. So I removed the two teams that didn't even make the play in tournament. I understand that they were in there because they're in the two largest markets, but you know, for me, just being a dude living in Milwaukee, I think if I think if your team sucks, you shouldn't be granted granted a game on a uh, you know the best single day for NBA basketball. So I had the Sixers uh, sticking with that that uh, that eleven AM slot, and they would be hosting the Toronto Raptors, who they faced in in the first round there, and. Yeah, I remember there being a lot of chatter going into into the playoffs about um, whether or not the Raptors could actually upset the Sixers, and you know that didn't necessarily turn up, turn out well. And a lot of people were were laughing at themselves for, for, for that take because in the end, Joel Embiid, um, yeah, really ate against them. Since, since the Sixers don't really have any any Joel and or part of me, the Raptors didn't really have a uh, you know any close facsimile of a of an Embiid stopper. As intriguing as uh, Chris Boucher and Precious Achua are, uh, they're just a little too small for Joel Embiid, unfortunately. In the uh, second game on Christmas, I had um, ideally it would be the Mavs hosting the Grizzlies. I had the Mavs hosting because they made it to the Western Conference Finals, even though the Grizzlies were, were a higher seed. In the playoffs, I ultimately went uh, based off of uh, which teams had more success. In the postseason, so fortunately, yes, the Bucks, the, the Bucks are still going to be playing at four o'clock here uh, on Christmas Day in Devon's world, um, and yeah, we haven't we haven't heard about any beef between these two teams, Mavericks uh, versus Grizzlies, but you know they got some spunky guys there, and Ja and Doncic. They're on a similar timeline. Maybe we could brew something up uh, in this uh, hypothetical. But at 4 o'clock, um, and Bucks fans would hate me for this, but I actually have uh, the Heat hosting the Bucks for that 4 o'clock slot. Um, which. <laughs> so, yeah, the Bucks actually pretty much remained unchanged because the Heat advanced to the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, further than the Bucks this past year, but yeah, Bucks obviously belong there though, as a recent champion and still a championship contender. Giannis being the best player in the world. Uh, then at seven, I had the Warriors hosting the Celtics in a Finals rematch. Uh, I know a lot of NBA fans remember the years of um, of Christmas being an annual NBA Finals rematch. And uh, you know, as, as much as we didn't love how predictable the league was during that time, uh, those were some pretty memorable ge- memorable games. so maybe maybe the maybe the league can sort of um, continue that trend a bit. And the final game that I had uh, at 9.30 was the Suns uh, hosting the Nuggets. Uh, it was It's actually the same matchup, but I think the Nuggets might have lost in the first round last year. If I remember correctly, they might have played the Nuggets uh, just off the top of my head. And then the Suns, even though they lost... In embarrassing fashion, they did. They did. Uh, they did make it to seven games against uh against the Mavericks. Uh, last year. So yeah, I guess I sort of had some inconsistent logic here because because I didn't put the Mavs. Uh, I did not put the Mavs ahead of the Suns or Nuggets. So I guess if I would have just maintained some of my logic that was going forward, I would have swapped swapped the Nuggets for the Mavs had it be Ma- the Mavs hosting the Suns at 9.30 on Christmas. And then uh, I guess it would have been the Grizzlies hosting the Nuggets at one thirty. but... Maybe when I was going through this, I just said, screw it, both of those teams belong on Christmas. This this is their matchup on Christmas. Let's just keep it the way it is. and Just give the team who had a better year last year a home court advantage instead. But maybe the league had it their way just to make it up for the Nuggets uh, after they they put up such a stink about it last year. Um... Yeah. Otherwise, um, I know there were a lot of a lot of people laughing about the NBA schedule release somehow being being a news item when we all know that that all these games are going to happen at one point. It's just a matter of when. Uh, but this was before Katie said said that he was going to be staying in Brooklyn and some other thing, and some other NBA news uh, happening. Like, uh, the Lakers did make a trade, but it was not, uh, involving Russell Westbrook. Just, uh, one of Russell Westbrook's, uh, you know, famously old, uh, good buddies, uh, Patrick Beverly, uh, but worth mentioning that the, uh, first game of the season will be, uh, the Bucks at Philadelphia. It'll be a 630 start, uh you know, not too shabby, but yeah, you know, I've been talking a lot about how I'm looking forward to see, uh, how Philadelphia is, is this season. If, if Harden has uh, continued to fall off a little bit and, and then, uh, and if that corresponds with Tyrese Maxey's rise, uh, How big of an impact can P.J. Tucker make on this team? If P.J. Tucker is like he was on the Heat last year, it could be a lot of problems, uh, especially as we face them. But in the end, I would still bet on Giannis. Also uh, of note regarding the schedule release, the NBA will have no games on uh, Election Day on November 8th, so. Good to see the NBA uh, putting its money where its mouth is and, uh, you know, giving up, uh, well, they're not actually giving up any games. They're just they're just altering their schedule, but uh, still good on them for clearing way for this. uh, And uh, I liked how Dave Dufour said that hopefully these arenas can turn into uh, voting places for for all these cities. Hopefully, yeah. Uh, hopefully, a lot of a lot of listeners out there will be turning up at a Pfizer forum that day to, to get their vote in, and maybe the Bucks can even can even do uh, some sort of some sort of promotion <laughs> uh, for going out and voting. Maybe maybe you get a chance to win some tickets. I don't know. Not my job. Uh, also slightly out of order here, but. On the day that Kevin Durant uh, announced that he was going to be staying with the Nets, uh, per uh, at Caesar Sports on Twitter, the Caesar Sports book, um, the Brooklyn Nets actually. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what makes the tiebreakers for this, or if this isn't in. Uh, any order but the next the nets according to this list from caesar sports uh jumped the bucks for third in nba title odds even though they had the same odds of a plus 750 Uh, and the boston celtics have the best odds followed by the warriors um And then, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too big <laughs> in betting and whatnot. But uh, before the KD trade, the Suns were were uh, fourth behind the Bucks in title odds, and uh, after the Clippers uh, vaulted over the Suns. And then Miami, uh, wow, this is crazy. The Lakers were sixth in in title odds before the KD trade, but now they're down to like ninth. I guess that mostly has to do with the fact that Kyrie Irving will be sticking around on on the Nets. Um, Although I, I did appreciate how a lot of the news coming out Uh, after the KD trade was talking about how this team is still uh, incredibly unpredictable. And yeah, the Philly also jumped Miami in championship odds. Uh, Miami was seventh. But now they're eight and Philly is seventh. And that pretty much covers it. However, we do finally have some basketball to get to. Although, <laughs> uh, due to all of this commencing uh, across the planet, I only got to see um, one game in its entirety Uh, yeah I think I only really clicked in oh no I watched a little bit of this first game since we had last uh, recorded Uh, Greece versus Poland Um, a lot of these are pretty pretty comfortable uh, victories uh, especially if you have Giannis on the floor which wasn't the case for all of these Um, first off uh, Greece beat Poland one hundred and one to seventy-eight. Giannis had twenty-four points, four rebounds, two steals. Uh, Tyler Dorsey had uh, nineteen points, three rebounds, three assists. Uh, Greece started the game on an eighteen-to-two run, including ten points from Giannis in just five and a half minutes. Um, we also got a Kalaitis uh, highlight lob to Costas, and Greece led. 27 to 10 after the first quarter. Uh, Poland did take a lead at one point though in the second after sinking seven of their first 15 three point attempts um, at the midway mark of the second quarter. But then, the but then Greece closed the the second quarter on an 18 to three run and Greece led 50 to 35 at halftime with Giannis uh, having 17 of his 24 points at halftime and they never look looked back. Uh still won by 13. 101. 78 at the end. Uh I was really displeased that I had to miss uh uh the Ana de Cumbros versus Sandro Mamu for Georgia. Uh Greece ended up winning 80 to 67, but we didn't get any Giannis in this game. The top scorer for, uh, Greece was, uh, Slaukas. I, I'm, uh, I'm bummed. I don't remember his full name. Uh, but if I do remember correctly, he is a, he is a crafty Southpaw. I think I saw a lot of him pulling up from the elbow in this game for, uh, Eventually, twenty-one points and two and two rebounds. We also got twenty-one points from our Milwaukee Buck, uh, Sandro uh, also with uh, eight rebounds. And yeah, that included uh, six points and two rebounds in the first uh, four minutes uh, of this game against Greece. Uh, so yeah, even, even though we didn't have. Uh, Basically everything except having Giannis uh in this one was uh, was uh was a perfect world for the Bucks. Uh Greece still uh Greece still taking home the victory. We hope that they can win it all in the end, but uh but yeah, wonderful showing from Sandro. I guess another thing would have that would have made it better would, would be to see uh see Ananda DeCumpo as the leading scorer, but I don't know, maybe it's okay to spread the wealth a little bit, especially without Giannis. Oh, and forgive me. We did see see a huge poster dunk from uh, Sandro in his next game against Poland. If I didn't see that, and, but I'm sure a lot of you did see did see the highlight in this one, uh, especially if you follow Sandro. I remember he he reposted everyone's everyone's reposts <laughs> of, of his poster, and uh, yeah, it was it was fun to watch that uh, that dunk time and time again. Now, the only game that I watched in its entirety was, uh, Greece versus Turkey, where Greece won, uh, 89 to 80. Uh, Giannis was out, uh, with short notice due to back issues, which, uh, I know gave Bucks fans a little bit more pause because, um, normally Giannis has been out with knee soreness. Um. Uh, I don't know, I guess the familiarity of the same news might lead you to think that it's just just their way of saying that it's maintenance and if it's just one part of the body that he, you know, that he he, that he is, uh you know, overly familiar with then, you know, that might make you feel better than him having to deal, deal with multiple issues at once but, uh, Greece, uh yeah, the Greece Basketball Federation did uh, say shortly after the news that, that uh, Giannis had an MRI and it, and it didn't show any acute damage and he will continue to rehab. And we would get to see him play uh, more basketball later on. Um, but Kostas was leading scorer for Greece with 19 points, 13 rebounds. Uh, Furkan for Korkmaz... Uh, Philadelphia 76 are at uh, 22 points, 10 rebounds, including a four-point play um, after has follow, followed him beyond the three-point arc. Um, late in the third quarter, uh, Turkey's uh, coach Adaman, I should probably just, just not try with the foreign names, but he was ejected. However, he didn't leave the court immediately and it took, uh, the Greece, uh, uh, the Greek coach, uh, Etudis, uh, forgive me for that. Again, I'm continuing to say names that I know I'm saying incorrectly, but, um, Greece's coach actually had to talk to the Turkish coach to, to get him to, to exit the court (laughs) because he was refusing to, um. Uh, alper and shangun uh also uh pushed a greek player uh, and the two had to be separated uh I think Sh- shangun actually ended up getting free throws after this which was kind of kind of wild to me uh i think the play was was the greek player tried to sort of wrap up shangun try to you know try to try and strip the ball away from shangun and shangun must have just not liked uh, liked how the guy had hit him uh, but still didn't look like anything other than a basketball play. so the fact that Chengun was still still shooting free, throw, free throws wild to me uh I don't know maybe not maybe not so much that he was shooting free throws because I guess in the NBA you could you'd probably see see both guys shooting free throws or if the NBA refs try to, you know, Try to distribute it more e- evenly if there's uh, more than one offender in this case, but that did not happen here. Mike Budenholzer was actually also spotted uh, along with the Cavaliers coach, J.B. Bickerstaff, as they were uh, watching their guys play. Of course, Giannis and Thanassis uh, for the Bucks and Shetty Osman for uh, uh, Bickerstaff's uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, obligatory tea break. All right. So the the real big news as far as de Pro ball goes was uh Giannis and Greece facing Jokic and Serbia, where Greece fell to Serbia ninety four to a hundred and overtime. MKE bucks is going wild. Um uh, well, not even NK books. Uh, the whole NBA subreddit was coming to the defense of uh, of Greece in terms of the whistle they got. Um, usually, complaints about refs uh, is a fool's errand and just corny in general. I don't like it, but that kind of was that was kind of the most prominent. Uh, feedback I saw, and it was not on the Bucks subreddit. To be clear, it was on the NBA subreddit. So maybe there's a little more merit to it. Um, either way, <laughs> I guess a, a positive of these not being Bucks games is is I can still uh, just be happy with with the. Uh, I can I can just be satisfied with the stat line and not with the end result as Giannis had 40 points, eight rebounds, five assists. Jokic had 29 points, eight rebounds, six assists. Uh, Tyler Dorsey had 16 points, three rebounds, three assists. Uh, Kostas opened up the scoring for Greece by catching a lob from Giannis, uh, over Jokic. And Kostas also later stripped the ball from Jokic leading to a transition dunk from Giannis. Uh, Jokic uh, gave Giannis the uh, Sambor shuffle, uh, one of the more interesting signature moves, if you could call it, uh, in the NBA, which is, you know, even even more simple than, than the Dirk uh, fadeaway. It's the signature move is is basically just Jokic being an insane shot maker. Uh, Tyler Dorsey sent the game into overtime with a corner three and he was really upset with the refs clearly that he didn't get a chance at a four point play because uh, he I don't know his, his legs kind of got caught in the closeout but it also looked like at least from his reaction that he could have kicked, kicked his legs out a bit and uh, we know that uh, Euro balls a little more, uh, you know. A, you know, European refs are considered to be uh, have a bit, bit of a tighter whistle than uh, than NBA refs. So ultimately, I'm not surprised. Uh, Dorsey also had some interesting comments after the game. Um, it's kind of awkward, honestly, because. Uh, Dorsey's interview had ended and then he was just like, and he said something along the lines of, I just want to, I just want to point out that Giannis was the only Greek player to shoot free throws. No one else even had a free throw attempt in this game. And then the, um, the Greek media, then it's kind of cool. The Greek media was, wasn't really letting him, uh, letting him off with, with just that simple, simple comment without elaborating and and uh yeah, Tyler Dorsey I wouldn't say he walked it back but he kind of he kind of just he kind of just laughed at his own point uh I don't know if you can get fine <laughs> uh I would guess I would guess that you wouldn't be fine cuz this isn't the NBA but um of course if he had made such comments he would he would be there's a good chance he, he'd be fine for you know speaking out against uh, the referees there. But yeah, Dorsey basically just said that he had never seen that seen that in a game before where only one player shoots free throws the entire game. And yeah that's probably pretty dang rare especially for uh, the level of basketball that they're playing. Uh, and uh, last highlights we saw from this game in overtime. Or when Giannis uh, hit Jokic with a with a nasty Euro step and dunk, but then Jokic uh, came back at him and scored on him twice in a row in the post. Uh, So yeah, in that short sequence, I suppose Jokic won. But again, if you were on the NBA subreddit, you would have saw saw most comical most. The most comical debate I saw was was whether or not was who, who was the better team player between uh, Giannis and Jokic. And Jokic is, is regarded as as the best passing big man ever, and people think that that's that that's uh you know, that's not even giving him enough credit. So in that specific debate, it's a losing battle for Giannis, even though Giannis only had one less assist. Than Jokic, but eleven more points. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I would still, I would still take Giannis, but it's absolutely absolutely no shade uh, towards Jokic. All right, and the last game since I had last recorded this game. Uh, took place yesterday, I believe, uh, as of recording here, uh, on August 29th. Uh, Greece played Belgium, and, it, and uh, according to Lockdown Bucks, it really wasn't competitive uh, much at all from the get-go. Giannis um, had 26 points and 7 rebounds. Uh, Tyler Dorsey had 22 points, 4 rebounds, and uh, 3 assists. And uh, Belgium's leading scorer, forgive me for pronunciation, uh, Oba Sohan had 14 points and three rebounds. And uh, the play I couldn't stop thinking about from this game was when Giannis had uh, sort of a Dwayne uh, uh, Wade-esque Euro step for the dunk uh, on the opening sequence of this game. That's a two- uh, games in a row where uh, where we gotta we gotta highlight um, immediately for the for the first points uh, from Greece uh, in this battle I hope you mean what I hope you know what I mean by the uh, Dwayne Wade s hero step uh, you know it's where uh, Dwayne Wade would take one hard one hard bounce and and then grip the ball Um you know, whipping his arm with the ball in his hand all the way, almost over the defender's head and then finishing and then finishing with the other hand. I know I attempted it in intramural basketball uh, way back in the day and certainly was called for a travel. Uh, you could call me a Tyler Dorsey and, you know, if I say that that, uh, that, that was a bunch of BS there, but can't even recall the end result of of said game from uh however long ago that would have been (laughs) uh but won't be the last time i think of it (laughs) um yeah final final notes uh marjan competed in the crossover uh pro-am which had a ton of hype around it um with LeBron James and Jason Tatum playing in this one, along with Aaron Gordon, uh, Tari Eason. Um, I could be forgetting others. Of course, uh, DeJounte and Paolo were mainstays in, in the crossover, given their Seattle ties. Um, uh, and then, of course, Chet Holmgren played in this game. I shouldn't bury that lead as uh, Chet limped, up, limped uh, uh, off the court after contesting a LeBron fast break. It turns out that, uh, that uh, Chet will be out for the season. He has a, a Liz Frank uh, injury. If I'm saying that correctly, it's a new word for me. <laughs> um, so yeah, he'll he'll miss he'll miss the rest of the year. Um, and of course, with uh Chet's frame, you're hearing you're hearing a lot of people come um, to the defense of others uh, and Chet, um, saying that this had nothing to do with Chet's frame. But I mean, Marjan uh slipped pretty bad uh while going up for an open dunk on a pass from LeBron and that was the play that 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 uh, that caused them to immediately cancel this game and uh, yeah thank god thank god we're not hearing this news uh, about Marjan selfishly uh but yeah Chet was um probably my favorite guy in this draft so yeah I'm uh, certainly heartbroken that we're not going to see any of Chet until um, the following season. Um, yeah, I'm really rooting for him to prove guys wrong. Uh, I just generally root for root for guys to sort of sort of defy uh, you know a bunch of cliches. You know, I will, I'd like him to show that show that someone with his frame. And height can hold up. And, uh, yeah. Um, everything po- points to this just being a freak injury and it not necessarily having, um, you know, being any indication on on how the rest of his career will turn out. Uh, but now he joins... Uh, Embiid, uh, Ben Simmons, and Blake Griffin as guys who lost all of their uh, first season. Uh, but yeah, even Embiid, who had a lot of injury concerns uh, coming into the year, uh, probably more than anyone else. Uh, even though Zion might be kind of fighting for that uh miss games <laughs> uh title. <laughs> If you will, that Embiid had at the start of his career. Uh, yeah, Embiid hasn't really left anything to be desired uh, in the past couple of years. Even though Embiid missed two full seasons, uh, he could have easily won uh, MVP the past couple of years. Other two guys had fine careers as well. Um, uh, but yeah, last but not least, um, uh, on a more positive note, our guy, Brooke, um, uh, got engaged at Disney. No surprise there. He even met his now, uh, fiance at Disney 13 years ago. Uh, is that a rookie Brooke Lopez, uh, who met a girl and. She stuck by his side to see him win a title, and now he's like, you know what? Babe, I've accomplished everything in this world now. I'm a champion. And the only thing missing is a wife. So congrats, Brooke. And, uh, yeah, I don't think I we'll see any wedding pictures yet seems a little premature but um, if those do come i'll make sure to share them with you all and until then i'll see you in another life brother thank you for tuning in to Knuck If you buck the milwaukee bucks podcast we hope you join us again soon see you in another life brother